Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Seggy Station. This man has a nickname, always a lot to say with no shame. Thursday, January 21st, 2021. Hope all is well out there with everybody. Hope everyone's staying safe. Nick Seglin here. You're listening to Seggy Station Podcast. I got Rich Hot Takes Letty coming through around 1230 to discuss some NBA, but I got some solo smoke to get into before that. Cleaning up a little bit of the podcast yesterday in which I always appreciate all love and support. You give a follow on my Instagram page or Twitter page, at Seggy underscore station. Also got my podcast up on my live version of my Twitch. It's underscore Seggy underscore G. Got the podcast out on Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Anchor. Hopefully you get your podcast there. All the love and support has really been appreciated, and hopefully you can continue to keep that going. Got a lot to get to to cover from yesterday's post, today's post, a little bit solo, and like I said, Rich will be coming through on the back end. Yesterday was such a big day for, obviously, our country with the presidential inauguration, Joe Biden sworn in as the 46th president of the United States, Kamala Harris being the first female, black female, all the things that have represented the situation that she's now created in terms of all the history she made yesterday and all the things that the party in general, these people in general, whatever you want to call it, it just seems like it's going to be trending a little bit better. And I I think no matter what side you're on, to me, it's all bullshit. Let's just act like we need to be better all around. And hopefully the leader we have in charge now is able to do that. I think we're on the right path. I see all this stuff all over social media all the time. I think it's ridiculous. I saw a post saying people born in 2000 are now 40. Let that sink in. Apparently, let that sink in is trending all over social media. First of all, I did the math on that. I'm horrible at math. That doesn't make any sense. Then I say, oh, obviously, the people commenting on the inauguration, oh, this is not my country. This is not my president. Fine, get the fuck out. Head out. People, oh, I don't want to follow politics so much. I can't wait to follow politics. Don't. You know, people saying politics are so much in sports. That's just the world we live in. And a lot of the times reality is so hard for some people to handle where everyone's going to react differently, but I would assume that sports are something different where you're able to get away from that. And I think it is that as much as politics and these players having and athletes sports having a voice, it's important and people should not ever forget that. Right now, it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Seggy Straight Talk Microphone. It's always direct. Time to reflect. Massive day yesterday. Really massive for a lot of people. And I don't care if if you support the guy in charge, the guy that you supported who was in charge, whatever it is. Like, just love all people. Be be better to all people. Be caring, kind. Like all, I don't understand why that's a disconnect. Like, oh, you can't be nice to people because... They're not supporting the party that I that I support. Like, I, I don't make friends because of the party they support. Like, I don't know. It's just kind of dumb. Let me start with this. Let me start with my man, Phillip Rivers, who announced his retirement after 17 years in the league. 16 with the San Diego Chargers, now known as the LA Chargers. And one season, obviously last season with the Indianapolis Colts. Phillip Rivers... Has put together a phenomenal career. 
I mentioned a little bit of it yesterday. He is fifth all-time in passing yards and passing touchdowns in NFL history with 63,440, 421 touchdowns. He's an eight-time Pro Bowler. Most impressively, he started, like I mentioned, 252 straight starts, never missing a game. He played through a torn ACL going all the way back to the 2007 AFC Championship game, which we all remember iconically of Phillip Rivers doing that and losing to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, his closest chance to ever making a Super Bowl as he's never done that and obviously never won one. So the knock on him being a Hall of Famer is that. But there are two QBs that are in the Hall of Fame that did not win a Super Bowl. I believe it's Fouts and Marino. I'd have to go and do my research on it. But I believe Phillip Rivers has put together a career that is well-deserving of being a Hall of Fame quarterback. His statement on retirement is... You know, it's genuine. It's real. You should check it out on Instagram, Twitter. You know, he talked about every year January 20th is a special day, an emotional day. St. Sebastian's feast, feast Day, we all know this man, was based on faith. The day he plays in the AFC Championship with a game or a torn ACL, like I mentioned. And now the day after 17 seasons, he's announcing retirement from the league, thanking God, his childhood of playing in the NFL, grateful for the Chargers and the Colts, thanking all of his coaches, his players, staff, Appreciate opposing defenses, making it challenging, physical and mental every week. Enjoyed the banter. Appreciate the referees putting up with my fussing. I think I was right most of the time. Dad Gommet, dude never swears, but he was always fiery. Played with a lot of emotion. He thanks San Diego and obviously Indianapolis, his teammates, obviously his family. And he has 25 kids, basically. I think he has 9 or 10, but his wife, I mean, it was incredible. He's now going on to... Be a high school football coach, following in the dreams of not only his father, but what he wanted to do also. And I, when I see anybody following their dreams and being able to accomplish them, you know, it touches my heart. Um, I think Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I think he will get inducted to the Hall of Fame. If Eli Manning isn't a Hall of Famer, which a lot of people are trying to say, but some people are saying Phillip is, I think both of these guys are. I think all three of those guys, and particularly Big Ben, will be added to that conversation as well, potentially. But saying that Eli Manning is not a lock and Big Ben is not a lock, but saying Phillip Rivers would then be in wouldn't make any sense to me. All three of these guys will potentially, if not at least two, in my opinion, get into the Hall of Fame. Philip Rivers should be a Hall of Famer, though, and I believe he will sneak in. Needed to shout out him for the phenomenal career. Good luck to him coaching, I think it's St. Michael's or something like that, um, where he is now going to be the high school football coach, and he's already attacking that head on. I did need to touch on Deshaun Watson. Didn't touch on it much with the boys yesterday. Got off topic a bunch, but I think Deshaun Watson is showing incredible restraint talked about it many times on my podcast where we see the player empowerment not only in the NBA but we've seen it now in the NFL where guys have been able to force their way out of situations even with contracts even with money and I think no contract in professional sports is untradeable we've seen it over the past five years no doubt when I go and I look at the highest graded quarterbacks in the NFL this past season Deshaun Watson was ranked third when you go look at The rest of the dudes ranked top five. You got Aaron Rodgers, 94.6, Tom Brady, 93.3, Deshaun Watson, 92.5, Pat Mahomes, 91.5, Josh Allen, 91.1. The thing I see that puzzles me is all four of those guys left besides Deshaun Watson are the four remaining in the playoffs. Deshaun Watson's team was 4-12. 
Deshaun Watson's team lost more games than the Cincinnati Bengals. The New York Giants that everyone says is trash. The Dallas Cowboys. They lost more games than the Denver Broncos. Few other teams across the league where you go and look at the way they perform this season. You have to be literally putting so nothing, no effort into what this guy is for you. And I, I think he's showing incredible restraint for that. A lot of the stuff out there is it's worse than being reported. I think Deshaun Watson is so done with the Texans organization, it's not even funny. You're not going to waste years, not only his career, but he talked about wasting a year of J.J. Watt's career. You have instability in the front office, obviously all the way up to the ownership, a horrible offensive line, trading weapons, it's like, all right, we finished 4-12. and 12. Hopefully we got g- good picks. Nope, we have no first-round picks, no second-round picks in this year's draft. Oh, yeah, we probably got a good amount of cap space. We can go out and get some of these free agents and get some of these guys for them. No, we're $18 million over the cap. It's an absolute debacle with what's going on in Houston. And for Deshaun Watson, with seeing what's going on with guys like James Harden, seeing what Anthony Davis did, what much more respectively, and what – when you go and look at some of these examples of guys that have been traded with contracts, Russell Westbrook a few times, it's this man could instantly say, you know what, I demand a trade. You got everyone in the media talking about it and doing this. And you know what Deshaun Watson's worried about? Let me just also mention how good of a guy Deshaun Watson is. He's hearing there's a march planned on behalf of Houston today, although I am humbled, I ask whoever is organizing the march to cancel for the sake of public safety. COVID is spreading at a high rate, and I don't want any fans or unnecessary exposure themselves to infection. That's the Sean Watson tweet when he heard there was a march or a rally, similar to what we've seen with all the bullshit surrounding former President Trump. Here's the deal. This man is not only a class act for that, he's done nothing but be a class act on the football field. And I think if you're going to give him a hard time for demanding a trade when Clearly, his organization is not putting him in the best position to win or even compete when they've been in the playoffs three out of the past four years. Why? Because of Deshaun Watson, who, by the way, led the league in receiving uh, passing yards this year. And like I mentioned, had the literally in his 12 losses, the second best rating in QBR to only Aaron Rodgers. Crazy. Crazy. Here's something I left out on Phillip Rivers I need to throw in. And his second QB, Phillip Rivers is the second QB for to throw for f- over 4,000 passing yards in his final season. The first was Andrew Luck. Obviously, Andrew Luck retiring early at the age of 29. Phillip Rivers did it at the age of 39. So, m- missed that out on my Phillip Rivers take. But I do believe he's got some type of resume where you put him in a room and See what my boys think about that, where he could potentially get himself into the Hall of Fame. Deshaun Watson is definitely going to be out of Houston. You know, you hear Randy Moss, the era of just shut up and play, we're done with that. The era of players not having empowerment and being able to move when clearly they're getting not only treated what I would just call unbelievable considering the circumstances when he, this guy is literally the best thing your franchise has ever had, if not ever, in the past 20 years, and you're going to treat him like that so he walks. It is crazy what's seeing on, going on with Deshaun Watson, but I do think he is going to be gone. 
I did need to get into some of the games this weekend. Not going to make some picks yet because hopefully I get back in to do it. But I do think you're going to have a couple interesting games taking place here. You got Travis Kelsey, obviously, playing with the Kansas City Chiefs. He recorded his fourth career playoff game with 100-plus yard receiving yards last season. He's the fourth tight end to do so in the NFL, joining Gronk, Vernon Davis, and Keith, Jack Keith Jackson. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is practicing. Sammy Watkins is practicing. We all know Tyreek Hill and what he is. We all know the weapons that they have. Obviously, the question mark surrounds Patrick Mahomes and if he's able to play and what that's going to be like. He was practicing yesterday in which seems to say he's going to be playing on Sunday. I think we all expected that. Anything possible was a great story and a great shout-out for Pat Mahomes to do for his teammate, but I do believe Pat Mahomes is going to play in this game. I do think it's important to mention, though, I was telling Rich yesterday, he was giving me a little bit of shit for it. Like, I don't think the man actually, like, had that bad of a concussion. Like, he might have got his bell wrong, and, like, he might have had a concussion. But, like, when we saw Lama Jackson have his concussion, like, his head snap back and hit the ground. Like, I didn't really see that out of Pat Mahomes. I didn't see Pat Mahomes getting a helmet-to-helmet contact like we saw in the fumble with the Chiefs on the goal line at the one. So... Yeah, he might be concussed getting through concussion protocol through the NFL as a five-step phase. But what I think is extremely interesting in that regard is the fifth stage is basically, you know, getting hit and having NFL impact, whatever they want to call it. Well, here's the thing. When the hell is Pat Mahomes if ever going to get hit in practice? So how is that actually going to be a thing? He's only really going to know how he is once he gets out there and gets hit on the field. So I think it will potentially factor into the game if he is banged up. Obviously, he potentially has a toe, turf toe, and all these other things. The health of Pat Mahomes is going to matter here. But I do need to play a couple recordings in regards to concussions that I think are important in this conversation and in the NFL. I mind you, which are doing much better in regards to keeping Pat Mahomes from returning to that football game keeping Lamar Jackson from returning to that football game, something we wouldn't have seen in this league come four or five years ago. They are taking steps, advances when it comes, obviously, to concussions in the NFL, something we've been more educated on. But when I listen to Brett Favre here, and I think of how young Pat Mahomes is, how good Pat Mahomes is, and I listen to Brett Favre, who probably should have given up his 297 straight games with a couple of rung bells, he might be paying the consequences now. This is a difficult decision for Pat Mahomes. I'm not saying he's not going to play, but everyone is going to make this decision on their own. Take a listen to this recording real quick. Maybe grander than anyone ever did. Knowing he was going to take shots, absorbing them, it became a part of his legend. Well, guess what? Now he's retired. Now he's over 50, and he's at a change of heart.
This is the first I've heard of Brett Favre in a little bit. Brett Favre was a phenomenal quarterback. Like, when I think of watching football when I was a younger kid, I, I think of Brett Favre. Um, I think of watching him play, obviously, throughout his career and putting, obviously, his body and the rest of his retirement career out on the line. Uh, that sounds that sounds like a man who's struggling. And I, and I was listening to Taylor Twellman, who was commenting on this, and he's known for some hot and wild takes, but this this sound right on the money to me. I think that's a fine line the NFL is playing with here because obviously you need Pat Mahomes in this game. Obviously, Pat Mahomes is needed for the Kansas City Chiefs, in my opinion, to win this game. Like You're not going to throw Chad Henney out there and get the anything is possible happening up against the Buffalo Bills. In my opinion, the second best team to the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that will probably knock this team out potentially already. So, Pat Mahomes is going to be needed. How healthy is he going to be? How much is Pat Mahomes going to be Pat Mahomes? Is this not a window of opportunity for the Buffalo Bills? I think it is. I think this brings up some very interesting points, though, when you look at concussions in the NFL, when you look at how the NFL has been handling concussions, and when you look at some of these former players trying to pretty much mentor some of these players that obviously in the moment aren't going to maybe take it into account. But when you look at some of these athletes after their careers are over, particularly in the NFL, and like Taylor Twelman said, now doing Sports Nation, I believe, it's which is back, uh, ESPN Plus, not getting that, by the way. Um, uh, soccer, obviously, has a lot of concussions, too. So, like, it's, it's NFL is not the only sport. Like, concussions are in all sports, and the education on it is obviously much more transparent, just like in everything nowadays. And I think that's why we're trying to obviously answer some of these questions that we weren't able to before with more of this education. I did want to rank the quarterbacks remaining in the playoffs and everyone's gonna be like oh shit of course he's got tom brady four of course i do when i go and i look at the rest of the quarterbacks in this playoffs to me brady shouldn't even be there he is there good for him when you put him up against the four quarterbacks are there even if pat mahomes is not 100 percent, still taking pat mahomes over him like tom brady in my opinion is not going to go out there and win you a football game. Like, we haven't really seen that yet since, what, Detroit when they were playing with a third-string quarterback or a third-string head coach and a, it might have been a – I don't even know what they were doing. Moral of the story is they really haven't played that great a competition. It's going to be Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers' first-ever matchup in the playoffs. Crazy to think about with Aaron Rodgers being 37, Tom Brady being 43, these guys – 
making the playoffs as much as they have in their careers. First time ever in the playoffs, obviously Brady was in the AFC. Saw a quote from Gronk talking about how pumped he was to be in the AFC championship game, where his teammate had to tell him he was in the NFC championship game. That's literally ridiculous. Um, moral of the story is I don't really give them much of a shot in this game. Everyone that gives them a shot in this game goes and talks and looks back at the week six matchup, which was October 18th, I believe, in which Aaron Rodgers had the third worst QBR of his career in that game. Third worst completion percentage of his career. I'm sorry. In that game, he had a QBR 12. His next worst was 46. He had two pick sixes in that game. He was getting blitz at 50% in that game, but he has been known to be the best quarterback in the league versus the blitz throughout his career. I don't see this as a, as a trend. I see this more as anomaly for Aaron Rodgers. I don't see Aaron Rodgers coming out here and putting out a game like he did in week six up against the Bucks. And I mind to tell, it kind of wraps up my take on Brady. Like the games that they've won this year, I mind you, they've only won one game against playoff teams, with team with a winning record. The games that they won against good teams or the games that we've seen Tom Brady won, win, I'm sorry, over the past couple seasons have been not really because of him. I mean, you're talking points off turnovers. You're talking picks, defensive scores, uh, rushing game. Yeah, Tom Brady is great. I think Tom Brady probably is the greatest in terms of all accolades and all the things. But when Rich was getting on me yesterday and I saw a quote from Devontae Adams, regardless of how many Super Bowls Aaron Rodgers wins, I think he could potentially be in the GOAT argument as well. I think there's other guys that you can put in this GOAT argument. And my whole thing with the GOAT argument, not only in the NFL, but in the NBA, is let me comment on it once they hang up their shoes, once they hang up their cleats, once they give up their career. Because to me, it's still set in stone when you're still playing. And Tom Brady wants to still play, fine. Let's see how he does this weekend. And if he goes in there and looks like Drew Brees and throws three picks and gets absolutely blown out by Aaron Rodgers, I do think that's going to matter. And nothing's going to change me otherwise. I would say I would have him fourth. Josh Allen probably third. Mahomes second. Rodgers first. I think Rodgers is on another level right now. And I think Rodgers is set to now win a second Super Bowl. His potential third MVP. Kind of setting his legacy in stone where it would be 10 years in between Super Bowl wins, victories for Aaron Rodgers. Which I do think, obviously not having as many Super Bowls as Tom Brady. I do think the uh, span between Super Bowls and how different it is and all the things that kind of happen in between with still Aaron Rodgers being a great quarterback, I do think matters. And I do think there's some other guys that are already retired that could be in that conversation as well. Interesting to see how these games shake out. Looking forward to making some picks and talking a little more about it. Hopefully before Sunday with... Maybe Schuster and Rich, who knows. But if not, I'll come do it solo for a little bit, whatever it is. Uh, Let's see. Let me cover some PGA because I've been having, hearing a few things about that from people in the four lights and me being the golf guy. Uh, PGA Pro, I like to talk 
cover the golf, but I haven't been doing that as much recently. There's been a lot going on in the NFL, obviously, in NBA, so I did need to touch on some golf. Uh, Shouted out Kevin Na, who won the Sony uh, tournament last week, his fifth fifth career PGA Tour win. Um, But there's a couple other interesting stories on the PGA Tour currently. I mentioned a little bit yesterday in the reads, and I needed to touch on this quick. Um, Justin Thomas, with an anti-gay slur, was dropped by Polo Ralph Lauren, one of his sponsors, a sponsor that me and my entire staff at work wears, Polo Ralph Lauren, a golf brand, obviously a global brand when it comes to clothing and golf clothing and all that. And I just need to say, with the mics up on the green and no fans or patrons in the stands, whatever you want to call them when it comes to golf, we hear this in football all the time. We hear this in NBA all the time and all other sports all the time when competition is at its highest level, not only in the playoffs, but let me read this back to golf. Golf is one of the most competitive, if not the most competitive sport, in my opinion, in all sports. Golf is competitive and obviously with up who you're going against, but it's also a mental thing internally with yourself. If you play golf, if you're a beginner, an avid, a pro, whatever, you know what you're going to do sometimes, if not more times than you want, or if you're against this and will never do it, I guarantee you'll, I guarantee you'll do it at least once. You're going to blow your cool and probably say something you normally wouldn't say because you hit a shank or miss a short putt or line a chip shot all the way through the green into the bunker or hit a shot into the water. Here's the thing about golf, man. It's the most difficult sport and you have to deal with it all internally. And when you're doing that, you tend to to get a little bit frustrated sometimes when things aren't going your way. Being able to be good at golf is being able to control that as well. It's like that in all sports. I think Justin Thomas is getting a little bit of a short end of a stick here though, because without those mics up by the green, patrons being there, you wouldn't hear any of this. And we hear it in sports all the time. The man loses a sponsorship and obviously takes a bad rap for it. And I think that's a little bit unfair due to the circumstances. I did see my man Raj comment yesterday, and I did need to touch on this quickly. Some very tragic news coming out of the PGA Tour with Tiger Woods. Uh, talked about another back surgery, a procedure in which he's had one five times. This will be the fourth procedure he's had of this kind on his back in the same spot. Not great for a guy who made a pretty good comeback after all those surgeries in which we obviously thought he was over that hump. Not necessarily he's got to have another. This is extremely concerning to me. A Tiger fan, a Tiger guy that I said he's going to win another tournament, he did. He won another major in the 2019 Masters. He won more tournaments, and he will potentially have the chance to do so. But I think this right here is a sign in which we might be seeing the last of Tiger Woods winning golf tournaments. I know it seems like a hot take, but the PGA Tour is very upcoming and young. I got three guys off the top that I want you to keep an eye out on. and Doc Redman, Scotty Scheffler, and Joaquin Neiman. Young guys, in which there's plenty of other young guys on tour, and the Justin Tomlinson's, and we know Dustin Johnson is number one in the world, and John Rahm, and 
all these guys that have been around that aren't as injured as Tiger still competing to win tournaments. Tiger is the best golfer of all time. You want to talk goats? Let's talk Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is the GOAT. He doesn't have pretty much anything left to prove besides people like myself in which you can come out and still win a golf tournament, a guy that loves you, fans that love you more than anything, in which you did in the 2019 Masters. I'm not so sure you have so much more to prove. You're going out and playing tournaments with your son, which was incredible. You maybe be able to be around and mentor him into the game more. Spend more time with your family. Do something different in your career. He talks about getting back on tour, and I presume he will. But I don't think he's going to be up there competing and winning events. And it's really shocking for me to have to say this, but I think Tiger Woods, at some point, father time is going to catch up. The interesting thing about golf is you're able to play late into your years. You can play golf until you're 80 years old. Shout out Mr. Foster back when I worked down in South Carolina. Man walked nine holes every day carrying his own bag. South Carolina heat, no problem. 83, 85 years old, missed that man more than anything. One of the nicest guys I ever know loved the golf business. Here's the deal. Tiger Woods is no doubt one of the reasons why I'm in the golf business. Tiger Woods has been an inspiration to so many people that not only play the game, but teach the game, that love the game, whatever it is. There's going to come a time where Tiger Woods is not Tiger Woods on the PGA Tour anymore. And I think we're getting closer to that than we want to actually announce. Um... We'll see how it turns out for Tiger, but him missing the next two events, Farmers Open or Insurance Open, Torrey Pines, in which obviously 2008, incredible stuff we saw from Tiger with a bum knee, uh, Genesis Invitational, a tournament in which he sponsors, he's been a big part of, so the next two tournaments are tough for him to miss. I think we might be seeing him miss the next couple months of tournaments, and we might be not seeing him again until the Masters, which will be... Held again in April. Masters talks about limited patrons being able to attend. So it won't be a complete silent Masters again held in November. But slowly but surely things are slightly getting back to normal. Dustin Johnson's the best golfer on tour though. And I don't think anything's going to change my mind on that over the next couple of years. See if Rory can get something together with him having a baby and a lot going on with him last season. And But I think he's still up there. And there's incredible guys that I'm not even mentioning right now that the tour is just so tough where go out and play nine holes at your local public and then try and put into perspective what these guys are doing every single week on the tour level. It's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, let's see. Got to cover these couple college stories, and I'm going to take my break, and hopefully Rich is here by then. Uh, let's see. Let me touch on this one first. This is absolutely hilarious to me. I saw that there were some recruiting violations at Tennessee, reportedly that they put cash in McDonald's bags for recruiters on visits. Now, I heard a couple of uh, funny takes on this from the sports media in which any SEC school has violations. All right, cool. Um, it's just funny when things surface like this to the top when it comes to college sports, college athletics, particularly college football, with how much money they make and the players not receiving any money until you hear stories about this. Like, I don't know why paying players has to be a secret in college sports. Like, 
if we all know that the SEC has violations like this every year and does this, if we all know that college basketball coaches are dealing with recruiting allegations and violations constantly by offering families or players money or funds or whatever it is, why not just make it that way? I just don't understand this. With how much money is made out of college sports, with how much money college sports actually puts into the infrastructure of college athletics, their whole knock on it is what? Oh, all college sports, football is the only thing that makes money. That's not true. The college basketball and the March Madness makes just as much, if not half as much, which is a ton of money when it comes to sports. All the other sports, all that we can't fund and we had to shut down with COVID because that's none of the ones that makes, that doesn't make sense to me either. Like trying to tell me that a college golfer or a women's lacrosse player or volleyball player is not as important as a college football player. uh, That's not it to me. Like they all are the the same and you could pay them just as a little bit amount to whatever their percentage of ratings and all this shit contributes to your overall school. Like coastal Carolina was ranked 14th nationally college football at the end of this season. That's incredible. Like I don't think people realize, and I'm probably just coming across as biased because that's my alum. Like, I never would have thought, and I'm not fucking joking here, that Coastal Carolina would be ranked top 15 nationally in college football ever. Like, I've seen us make the basketball tournament a couple times. Great to be a 16 seed and win the Sun Belt. I think we're now in the, we're in something else. We're in the, whatever. We're A-10. We're in the Sun Belt. Whatever we're in. We've been there a couple times. We're not going to crack through a 16 probably. Like, that's just where we're at. Baseball team won a national championship. Incredible. We got incredible baseball and golf down at Coastal Carolina. But football, I did not see football being a top 15 nationally competing with SCCs in all these other conferences. And I do think that when you see something like that, when something like that arises, we've seen it from UFC. We've seen it from other schools that, oh, aren't necessarily good at being, real. Uh, you know, particularly good in one sport, like Alabama, not uh, technically good at college basketball, right? What what about Colin Saxton and what he did uh, for Alabama and what we saw him do last night in the NBA? Teams in college sports, players of all kinds should be paid. No one is ever going to be able to change my mind on that. And it's a disgrace with having to pay dudes in a McDonald's bag. Why don't we just get over that, man, and hide... What we all know is not a secret anymore and just flat out say we're going to be paying the college athletes not with just a scholarship because none of them go to class. I did need to touch on this story I saw from Baylor women's head basketball coach Kim Mulkey. Kim Mulkey says, quote, this season will continue on. It's called the almighty dollar. The NCAA have to have the almighty dollar from the men's tournament. The almighty dollar is more important than the health and safety and welfare of me, the players, and or anybody else. One conference does this. One conference does that. The CDC says this. Everybody is confused. I'm confused. I'm uncomfortable coaching. Now, I think... It's gotten to a point now where COVID has been around for so long that there's no way we could have shut down college athletics and colleges and college 
in general for an entire year um, going forward now looking into two years. Like that just wouldn't be a thing. But I do think there was an interesting argument that begs to question when you look at college athletes just coming out of it, not getting paid, not being professional sports players, anything of that caliber until you're getting cash in a McDonald's bag. Here's the deal. Some of these conferences have definitely dropped the ball. We saw it in college football. We're seeing it in college basketball right now. You're seeing postponements. Saw Villanova play their first game, number three in the country in the men's AP rankings, in first game in 27 days. I mean, we saw it all over the place in college football. We're going to continue to see it in college basketball, in which they're trying to do a single-site March Madness tournament. wonder how that's going to work. I just don't know where the line is because I didn't want college sports to be a thing when COVID first started being a thing. But now when you put that into perspective, like I just said, are we going to go a whole year without college sports? Are we going to go two years without college sports? Like I say to my buddies and my dad and my brother, like how long am I going to go before I can go to a professional sports game again? Like five years, like 10 years, like you got people going now. Obviously, I don't know if it's friends, family, you can get a ticket, not. Whatever it is, it's not the same. When is that going to get back? Ever? Like, when am I going to be able to go to the bar and just be at the bar and be straight? Like, ever? Like, I don't know. Like, so, are we never going to have college sports the way they were once before because of COVID? Because it's going to be a thing forever? Like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know where having the games, not having the games... Kim Mulkey's comments, NCAA comments, almighty dollar, players not getting paid. Like, the whole thing going on in college athletics in the NCAA is a debacle. And I saw a guy, Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner in college football, had it in the reads for today. He's going to step away because the Pac-12, they can't get into the uh, big four, final four, whatever, college football play, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like, it's just a whole disgrace. Why not get... One type of leader going through the situation with the NCAA and college football. Why not get one type of commissioner when it comes or break off or whatever the deal is. I just look at college athletics and it just turns me off so much, man. Like so much to a point where I just really can't follow it and really can't support it because it's just almighty dollar, greed, money, none of it towards the people that are doing it for you, except the coaches that are way overpaid and out here doing all this uh, inappropriate allegation, violation, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's, it's a joke, quite honestly. Like I think college sports is a joke on all fronts. And I really don't like any college sports and it's wild for me. Besides I'll give you the March Madness tournament, which I'll follow and love forever. But at the same time, like I'm just not a big fan of that anymore either. Like whole college sports in general is just such a turndown for me when I see all this stuff going on in professional sports and really just since I've started covering sports, doing the pod, like I've just realized so much more, like how much doing my speech and debate, going all the way back to high school, college athletes should be paid. And until then, I just don't know if I'm ever going to be able to really support it. Those are the two topics I needed to cover in the college ranks. I covered concussions, ranked the QBs, touched on Philip. And the rest is NBA. Hopefully Rich should be here shortly. Take my quick break. Come on back. I'll get into 
some of that discussion, hopefully, then with my man Rich. Be right back in the Seggy Station. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. The Seggy Station is brought to you by Callie's Love. A man's best friend is his dog. Shout to rescue my too many, but a life-saving companion to me. To me, not to promote shroom home happiness in a household, but in a loving companion of a pet. Especially at a time like this, get yourself a little pet friend like mine and your local animal shelter pound and nursery. Save their life and they just might save yours. Now it's time for your Sports Center update. Kobe Bryant will be honored with getting a statue in the National Garden of American Heroes. Shout out Kobe Bryant, Mamba Mentality, baby. Sarah Fuller, she was at the inauguration. I did need to correct myself from yesterday. It's Sarah Thomas. I was getting a little messed up here in my head. Sarah Thomas will make history as the first woman to officiate a Super Bowl this upcoming Super Bowl after this weekend's games. Delonte West has a job at the therapy center he attended and has reunited with his mother. A phenomenal story to see. I would do anything for that. Rashad Higgins fumbled at the one was the Browns' first lost fumble inside the 10-yard line since Ernest Bynards in the 1987 AFC Championship game. The quote fumble, Biner fumbled at the one with the Browns down 38-31 with 112 left in the game. Touched on that a bit yesterday. Going to see if Rich has time to touch on that as well. Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert named NFL Rookie of the Year as well as Offensive Rookie of the Year. Justin Jefferson got robbed. Washington defensive end Chase Young named Defensive Rookie of the Year. Doug Peterson leaning towards taking the next season off as Lions named Dan Campbell head coach. His six-year deal spent the last five seasons as assistant coach with the Saints. Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. to rehab their ACLs together. Barkley saying, quote, we push one another and we'll get the best out of one another. As Michael Brantley returns to the Astros on a two-year $32 million deal, Grizzlies-Blazers game last night was postponed, including the Wizards game this upcoming week on Friday. Continue to be postponed as the Wizards deal with an outbreak. Going to have to touch on that. Going to have to touch on Kyrie Irving starting his first game, getting back last night with the team after missing seven straight games. Going to touch on mid-court mid, mid I'm sorry, security to enforce no hugging rule after games. A.B., Mr. Big Chest, did not practice his day-to-day and is up in air for Sunday's championship matchup. As Larry Scott, as I mentioned, is exiting the Pac-12 as commissioner. His last day, 11-year run, will be in June. Kentucky loses last night to Georgia 63-62. Georgia lost 14 straight to Kentucky as UNC got a win, but covered that yesterday on the pod. A lot of different things going on in college basketball as federal judge sides with zion williamson in that lawsuit going all the way back to the podcast like six months ago needed to throw that in in the reads as well tune it back in nick segling here you listen to seggy station podcast appreciate all the love and support on that front shown to the podcast you can always follow along on my instagram page at seggy station twitter page at seggy station Got a live version of my pod up on my Twitch stream. It's underscore Seggy underscore G. And we got now have the podcast out on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Hopefully you get your podcast there. Rich should be here momentarily. Got a bunch of stuff to get into the NBA. Never mind. Rich is already here. 
What's good, Rich? Yo, what's going on? How you doing, brother? Pretty good. How about you? I'm hanging in there. I do want to talk NBA for sure. There's a lot to get into on the slate with you today. You catch any NBA last night? Yeah, watched a good bit. Um, what was I watching? The Kings game is a little bit of a blowout. I was watching when Cole Anthony hit that buzzer beater. Saw that. Magic game. That was actually a pretty gross game. I only turned that on at the end. It wasn't looking great, but they had a little – Magic had a nice little comeback there. Uh, there were so many games on last night. I watched a few others too, but I'm, I'm blanking right now. Not, I caught a little bit at the very end of that net game. I mostly caught the end of the uh, later games, but I watched all the highlights. Actually, all like the, there's this channel on YouTube of like 25-minute recap. So it's like in-depth a lot of the stuff that happens in the game, but like cut through everything, speeding a lot of stuff up. So I watched that on the Nets game to have some uh, insight on what I'm talking about here. Word, word. Um... Yeah, I was watching the game too. I was fumbling on the sticks last night for sure because I was watching the end of that Nets-Cavs game, which was wild, and I did want to touch on that for a second because I do think, uh, like you were saying last night, and just hear me out on this. Let me start the bell on this. Um, you know, it's it's just one game. It's one loss. It's I'm not I'm not saying that we're not going to expect this team to go, you know, 42-0 and not lose games. Like, yeah, they're going to lose some games. But I do think this is pretty telling, Rich. In which the you're going up against a team that is ranked 30th in the NBA in offensive efficiency in all offensive categories, basically across the board. A team in which didn't have Darius Garland and another key role player in Kevin Love who have been out for the team. And I get it. Colin Sexton might have had one of the best games ever, but I was on the money with Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton is legit. Like, he's... He had 42 points last night, 15 in the second overtime, 22 in both overtimes total, and I get it. Skip Bayless is like, oh, when's that ever going to happen? Well, don't allow the game to go to overtime. My whole point is you're allowing teams like this to score that many points, not only with overtimes or not, but be that efficient with not their star players. How are you going to beat teams not only in the East, Celtics, Sixers, even Heat if they can get healthy, Pacers that are looking good? Whatever it is, like I don't see this team getting out of the second round because of their defense. I'm not questioning the fact they can score, bro. I'm not questioning the fact that they're probably going to have the best offense we've ever seen in the NBA. But I am questioning that defensively, they're going to struggle. And I think last night in which a game up against the Cleveland Cavaliers, like what does that even matter? I think it does matter when you lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers and the way you kind of go and look at that stat line, bro playing 50 plus minutes, you know, getting up shots. Who's going to take the last shot? James Harden took it, missed one. Kevin Durant took a fader, missed one. Like Kyrie didn't get a chance. He had 37. James Harden gets a triple double. You go and look at the rest of the team, bro, they did nothing. So these guys are going to be taking 65, 70, 80 shots a game combined. And yeah, it'll be great. They'll score a lot. But if you can't stop who you're playing, to me, it's not going to matter. And I think last night showed me that I might be on the money with my take come obviously more down the line. I know it's just very early, but I do think stuff like that matters. You got any take on, on that? All right. Yeah. So give me a minute or two here. Um, first off, I will start off with this. I don't, yeah, I don't think we can overreact too much to each game, but obviously we're sitting here with a three game sample size. So we're going to talk about what we see. So like, I'm not overreacting to anything, but I understand what you're saying. I think there's stuff to talk about in the first three games. First off, I don't need any response 
I'm sure you'll have some response about why it's BS you can get there in a minute. But just to look at from a proper sample size, if you go back to when, like, for example, the big three came together in May, way to prove it champion, LeBron James, probably the best player in the world at the time, and Chris Bosh, an all-star, but who was maybe made a sense in a third option role than some of these other star guys we see in it nowadays. It took them a year to come together. They fell apart against the Mavericks. LeBron James got destroyed. Now, I'm by no means saying, like, oh, give the next break. Not a big deal if they don't win. Like, no, the goal is to win this year. It will be a disappointment if they don't win. I'm not saying that. But I am conscious of, or I don't want to jump on them too much in the first few games because my heat is just like literally took them like a year and a half where people were looking at them and were like oh holy shit this is what we thought this team would be and like that's honestly kind of what i would expect at this best now i have a few things to say about what they were saying now i'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt i'm just setting the stage for like it's gonna take a little bit and yep. especially with three higher volume guys who can all have the ball in their hands yep so I saw your Instagram posts, and I can defend why I would have that's coming out of the East right now. I will say it's a small sample size, and it's predicting what we see in front of us right now, so I would bet my own money on it. But if I had to make prediction, they're probably the team I would take coming out. I agree with all your concerns about them, about their defense, and that's the scariest part. Are they going to figure out their defense? But I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt for the following reason. So if I look at the teams ahead of them in the East right now, the four teams ahead of them, and these are probably the five teams really in the picture – the East right now since the Heat and Raptors haven't been great this year. Yep. Uh, 76ers, Celtics, Bucks, Pacers, Nets. Yep. I'm ruling out the Pacers. They got rid of Ola oh, who to me is slightly better than Levert. Levert's not even healthy right now. I'm not putting the Pacers into play right now. Fair. Celtics, even though I love them every year, love their team, love Jalen Brown, love Jason Tatum. Just feel like they're missing a piece. And it's tough. it sucks because like, I don't know what that piece is. We'll see if it's Kemba Walker coming back, but it hasn't been that in the past years. I really like them. I wouldn't shock me to see them in the Eastern Conference Finals, but I don't have the Celtics representing the East. I think the Nets are all around just scarier team, and the offense wins in that matchup head-to-head. Yeah. So to me, then you're looking at the 76ers, Bucks, and the Nets. 76ers, I mean, I was wrong on this so far this year. I had been sitting as my defensive player of the year. I said he'd be like 13th best in the NBA. I had a lot of ahead of, ahead of Joel Embiid. That's looking like it'll be incorrect. And for that reason, we've seen what the Sixers have done in the playoffs, and it's going to be a little of the same thing that I've run into with the Bucks. Like, this system just hasn't worked. We'll see. I'm not saying they can't take a step forward, but when your best player or the guy who should have the ball in his hands the majority of the time can't do all those things like shoot, shock, make, and Simmons Giannis, it can be a problem. I'm not saying the Bucks can't figure it out with Holiday and Middleton. I'm not saying the Sixers can't figure it out with Embiid and shooters. But I just look at all these teams, I'm looking at the Nets, and with literally probably to be the second best player in the NBA in Kevin Durant, a lock and a top five player in James Harden and Kyrie Irving, who like when he's on the basketball court is literally looked like a top 10 NBA player this year. Like it's hard. I agree with all the defensive issues. And the last thing I'll say is I think they're going to get people on the buyout market and they're going to run into what the heat ran into too. their first year. They were really depleted because they had all these big contracts, but then after they get a free agency or two, they get guys on the veterans minimum coming in. Their roster will be more filled out. This is the weakest this roster will be, assuming they stay together multiple years. And I also think they got they get some buyout guys, whether it's – I know I shout out Bismack, Bianco, and one. And I only say that because they need a big guy. Bismack, Bianco is one year left on an enormous contract. There will be other guys who are on one-year deals with big contracts that get bought out that they'll get. But I would agree with you that if this team was in like the Eastern Conference Finals right now with this roster – it would be scary. They're not deep enough. They're not good enough on defense. I'm assuming they had another piece or two, but I do like the. 
All right, so let me respond, and I'll let you then respond to me, and then we'll get into another topic. You, you bring up a lot of good points. I, I It doesn't come across as biased, even with the James Harden thing for me, but I just look at some of this stuff, like who takes the last shot in Brooklyn. Like I saw last night in that game, two of them have a chance at a last shot, and it wasn't Kyrie. Like how is Kyrie going to take that with him being and making a big-time shot and him having 37 points? And James Harden not taking a shot except two in the first half. And it was, like, kind of weird. Like, why is James Harden only taking two shots in the first half? Like, the, the whole stuff that kind of went on last night is kind of the whole thing. I mind you, it was Kyrie's first game. So, yeah, it's going to take time to make this work and all this stuff happen because this KD-James Harden experiment without Kyrie looks phenomenal. But now they're trying to work in Kyrie. And how that's going to work with a second, third fiddle for all these guys is going to be interesting I'm not as concerned about Katie, but I am concerned with the other two. And then when I go and I just look at the setup, and I've been hearing a lot of this from Jay Will, they're setting this up like they're the bad boy Detroit Pistons, for at least me, because now we all know KD is burner accounts, and we all know Earth, Earth Flat, Kyrie, and all this bullshit, but the whole thing and the biggest reason they're the biggest villain is because of James Harden for me. And him going to this team, the way he went to this team, the whole setup for James Harden not having a ring and now joining this team to try to get one. When you go and look at who takes this last shot, Rich, last 10 seasons, James Harden's had 1,400 attempts. That's first. Kyrie's had 1,123. That's sixth. And KD's had 1,044, uh, 1, which is eighth. Score within five points, last five minutes of fourth quarter and overtime. All three of them can. So they're all trying to figure that out. I was listening to a little stuff on it this morning. Like Steve Nash, like, bro, they're not running too many sets. To me, it just looks like, all right, toss the ball to one of these three. They'll either do something and pass it to the other two. They're like, dude, they're not running too much. Like, who do they have? Jeff Green? Like, even if they go and add a Bismack Biombo, one of these veteran guys, like, Dude, it's still them three. It literally looks on three-on-five basketball. And I heard Colin Sexton, he was in Alabama and had a three-on-five game. And I know Colin Sexton went off last night and did some incredible stuff. But here's the deal. Like, it literally looks on three-on-five basketball, except the, you're asking the other guys to play D. And how much is that going to buy in when the defense isn't good? I just think who's going to guard Joel Embiid? Who's going to guard even Ben Simmons? Who's going to guard Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? Who's going to guard Jimmy Butler? Like, you're going to ask James Harden or Kyrie? Like, Kyrie was supposed to guard Colin Sexton last night, who had 42. All these other guys transferring over to Colin Sexton towards the end of that game, and I get it, Colin Sexton was on absolute fire, but nobody could guard him. That's just Colin Sexton, dude. And I'm pretty high on him, but is everybody as high as him on, than me? I'm not so sure, dude. Who's going to guard Giannis? Who's going to guard Chris Middleton? All this stuff to me is going to matter. So, a few things there. One, they hadn't had a practice together. I don't see how they could be. James Harden is going to be the main ball handler on that team. I mean, I don't know if this will be news to Kyrie, but like James Harden is the best distributor on that team. Kyrie is a great basketball player, but James Harden is a slightly better basketball player and a far greater distributor than Kyrie Irving is and better at setting up teammates, getting them open. Yep. So James Harden's going to be the lead ball handler. So the tough thing for him is going to be, and why I think he only took two shots in the first half, is figuring out how to incorporate his new teammates, not come off as being selfish, get them the ball, but still get his own shots. LeBron struggled with that in the heat, too. And not to just keep using that as the example, but that is the tough part when you have the ball in your hands a lot and you're new to a team with a lot of good guys, like figuring out how to share it. So that's going to be a learning curve. The other thing I'm pretty is sure... Uh, go ahead, but I'm pretty sure James Harden is leading the league in assists right now. And he's had literally 12 assists, like, plus every game. with. Like, I'm not questioning the offense, dude. I'm not questioning the offense. I think James Harden 
was going to bring offense. You're adding that with KD and bringing Kyrie back. Like that, I, that's what I'm not questioning that dude. But what I'm trying to say is when it comes to playoff time, when it comes to when they go play the Lakers or any, even in the regular season, not just playoffs, like how are they going to win those games when you're allowing 140 and like, Maybe you're going to have to be able to score it too. But if you're missing shots, like I get it. Kyrie was eight for 10 in the first quarter. James Harden didn't take a, like, you know what I'm saying? Like they're trying to figure stuff out. And like you said, it might take more than a year and maybe we'll be able to give them a pass. But then if they don't win it this year or next year, whatever it is, and all things start getting messed up, that's where my whole problem comes with James Harden, Kevin Durant not being able to win on his own, Kyrie being a cancer to teams. I think these are valid points based on how this stuff plays out. Go ahead though. I don't think they're winning the championship this year. I think a team with veteran guys who have won before, well-coached team, whether it be the Clippers or the Lakers, whoever comes out of the West would probably beat this team because of the issues on defense. So I wouldn't have them as my title favorite right now, but I just think there's more question marks with the teams in the East, and I'll end up siding with the team who has three all-NBA, all-offensive, like top-five offensive talents on their team and just hope that the defense gets at least marginally better. And the reason I say that is they haven't had a practice together. That's why there's going to there's gonna be a lot of ISO on this team already because they have three of the best ISO guys in the entire league. So that's going to happen. It's going to be tough for Steve Nash to draw up sets and not take away like these guys' natural abilities. They're not going to look like the Golden State Warriors out there and just have everyone running off the ball. Like That won't be what this team is, but they'll be fine on offense, like you said. The defense, I'm just hoping they get a little bit better with over time. Like The coaching staff is I'm not obviously there's more than just these three people I'm going to say but when the coaching staff is Steve Nash Amari Mike D'Antoni it's a little scary because none of those are necessarily two new coaches and one not defensive expert and their issue like not worried about them on offense like they need some help on defense so like they're going to have to figure out they're going to have to bring in at least one guy and like as crazy as it sounds like even like a even if it's not technically him, a guy with a skill set like this, like a fucking Roberson who's not signed anymore, like go legit, go get, just get a lockdown defender who like, if he can't play offense, it doesn't matter because you have one of the three best, some of the three best offensive players in the league. Like they're going to need some people to lock people down. They'll, I'm not saying Biombo was going to be the guy that changed the <laughs> franchise. That won't change. If they just got Biombo, it would not make them like title favorites for me at all. That is not what I'm just saying. I'm just saying there's no way it's hard to predict who the buyout guys will be. And I'm hoping they'll be like, it won't be a stud, but like a formidable like defender, like veteran guy gets dropped from somewhere. Trevor Ariza will eventually get let go, I would think, by the Thunder or traded somewhere. Just those guys aren't going to change their team. But my point is, if you get two guys out there who can defend above average or above league average, you could switch really well because KD can guard centers like that. Kyrie's going to be your problem all year, like you said. Harden gets a bad rap. And that's fine. Bad defender. Kyrie's going to be the problem on defense. And that's fine. And I want to switch into some other stuff, but I did just want to get out of here on this topic on this. Bro, these guys, last night, they played like, and I get it, double overtime. Dude, they're all playing like max minutes too. And your whole knock on me for Harden not be, or Harden not be able to do shit with the Rockets is he gets run into the ground in the regular season. Like, you don't think these three guys are going to get run into the fucking ground the rest of this season before playoffs even come with all the COVID bullshit. I mean, like, it's going to be... I would argue to you that Harden playing five more minutes in the Nets is a, is actually less work than playing five less minutes on the Rockets because the Rockets, it was literally him doing everything. His usage will go way down. He'll be the main guy, but like I'm not saying he should be. You don't want your star guy. That's fine, dude. That's fine. And if you were well, watching the game, I just want you to know, if you were watching the game, Harden did have a chance to win that game last night before overtime. He missed the shot. He was the one that took the first shot. He missed it. Let's switch oh, out of it. The, the last thing, <laughs> one second. Yep. 
I don't think the last shot is an issue at all as, as much as you're making it. I think having three guys that could take the last shot is a good thing, not a bad thing. Because teams usually, like, you'll see guys just, like, when Melo was on the Knicks, like, and it was the last shot, he'd get double teamed off the inbound, double teamed yep. when the ball went to him. And it was just like, all right, J.R. Smith, go for it, bud. This That's is, fine. Like, you can't do that. That's this fine. But I that. will say this, Rich, and I get it. It was against the Cavs, regular season game, non-shit. James Harden's last shot was a st- ISO step back. Kevin Durant, and I get it, there's only two seconds on the clock, was a fadeaway falling out of bounds in a corner. Kyrie didn't get an opportunity, but I assume his would be some crossover fucking ISO yeah. step back. So it's like, it's not like they're getting that great a look unless they make it. Like, and then it's like, oh shit, it's incredible. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. It is really interesting. It is much watch TV. Has his job cut out for him. Steve it, Nash has his work cut For out. sure. It's must watch TV, for sure. I do want to touch on this, though. Um, So the Celtics and Sixers played last night. Tatum was out due to COVID. You've had 16 total games postponed to COVID, two last night. The Wizards haven't played since January 11th. Their game on Friday is postponed. They got a fucking outbreak. Let's just be serious. Like, the Wizards have an outbreak. There's a couple other teams dealing with star players. Jason Tatum being out. They've The second most missed games are the Celtics at three. I'm watching that game last night. Seth Curry's been out for the Sixers. 15 games or 15 days, whatever it is. He's in some re- reconstructive uh, thing. Here's my thing, Rich. I'm watching that game last night. And I switched over to the Nets-Cleveland uh, game because obviously I wanted to watch some of that, but the game's just not the same without Jason Tatum there. And I know it's like, oh, like we're, it's not going to be perfect, and I know we all talked about like this stuff might happen, but I do want to just get your take on this. Like, Is this not way worse than you could have ever expected the NBA to handle this? And like them amping up and having a fucking – uh, security guard or three security guards at half court to stop hugs and dap ups at the end of games. Like that's you fixing protocols. Are you fucking pretty much having them house on, on house arrest? Like the way the NBA has handled this man kind of dropped the ball, not expecting them to do this. I'm just curious on how you think they can write this back and get this back on the right course. Just with the way things have kind of gone. Like Every single night, dude, like we're gonna we're gonna stop the pod today and you'll probably have another game postponed. Like I saw something else. Like there's multiple games getting postponed every day. It's kind of tough to keep up with. Like it's kind of tough to even do a DraftKings. Like the NBA has, in my opinion, an issue and how they fix it is gonna be on Adam Silver and what? The NBA PA, whatever. Like what what are they gonna do? So I'll start this off by saying by no means do I think the president changing yesterday will be like a snap of the finger, like change the virus and stuff. But if you're the NBA, I, I don't want them to take a pause, but I feel like now would be as good a time as ever to put it on pause for two weeks. You got teams that are have all these injuries, have all these health protocols with COVID, contact tracing keeps canceling games, and say what you want. Like, no, no one person presidency is going to change everything, but like this presidency is taking it more seriously than the past one. Like nothing's going to change in two weeks in terms of like, Oh, like no one's getting COVID anymore. Like that's not going to be a thing, but they need to take a pause anyway. You could hope that in the first that after the next two weeks, there's maybe some like more strict guidelines put out just for everyday people or something to get the virus a little bit right at all a little bit more. So I feel like it could be as good of time as any to take a pause. Not that it's going to be fixed or anything or anything will even be significantly better in two weeks. It just, I would think, can't be in a worse spot than we've been in the past now that our presidency and government's taking it a little bit more seriously, or is at least saying they will. Um, so that would be my first point. I don't think it would be a bad time to pause right now. But, like, I don't think that – it's tough for me to say the NBA is handling it poorly, but, like, I mean, 
I'm not going to say like they're handling it well because clearly each team's had a bunch of people out. Like I don't know how much they could do. The tough part, and we've said this before, the tough part about like the NBA compared to the NFL is like the NFL has a good amount of people, like similar number of people to the NBA going down each week. The thing is, 90% of fans don't know 90% of NFL players' names, so you don't really notice it unless it's like Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, like the star running backs, receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, stuff like that. And it's just they have a huge roster, so it's easier to find backups. The games are played outside. So, like, I don't blame the NBA. It's just a more glaring issue when someone goes down because you're putting in, like, a G League guy in his place. You see these teams with, like, six G League guys. Yeah, dude, but does that not – I think that, like, that affected the game for me last night. Like, like Joel Embiid had 42 and 10 or whatever. Like, he's playing incredible and the Sixers are great. But, like, I'd argue that game would be different if Jason Tatum's there. And, like, I'm not saying the Celtics are going to potentially win. But, like, it's a potentially different game. So, like, I know it's, like, it's, like, a wishy-washy argument because, like, we know what COVID is and what it's doing to sports and, and just people in general. But, like... The whole thing with, like, the contract tracing and the whole thing you bringing up the whole thing with the presidency, which obviously is great, you're still going to have bigots or all these people out here that don't give a fuck or that aren't following the protocols. And it's, to me, it's a total crapshoot all around. So, like, when when I put stuff into perspective, we're a whole year removed, we're going into our second year of this, it's like, bro, where's the line when are we actually going to get it better? Or is it just going to be this for a while? Like, I don't know, man. And it's just kind of like, it, it does kind of just have me, I don't even know, just messed up sometimes. Cause I'm it's like, just, all right, dude, this is what it is. Like, all right. The main reason I feel like they need to take a pause. is like, I see a lot of like, whether it's ESPN or like NBA outlets being like, Oh, every team's been hurt by this. So it's not an excuse for one team. And like, that's not really true to me. Like the jazz haven't had any star player go down. Meanwhile, the heat of that Jimmy Butler and bam and Drogic out the whole time where, you know, the Sixers walked their whole team for a while to, and then you got teams where one guy's like their whole franchise. Like Jalen Brown's been having a great year, but Jason Tatum's like the star guy there. Carl Anthony Towns is the only thing keeping the Timberwolves afloat, and he's been gone the whole year. So it's like it, some teams are getting hit, hit real hard by it, where like Timberwolves and stuff, like the damage is almost already done. There's not much they could do. They're so bad to start. But I, th- I think the NBA could benefit from a pause and just trying to regroup in two weeks or something like that. I know they don't want to because we've talked about it a million times. That'll push back the whole schedule of the finals going into the Olympics, assuming that's even happening this summer and all free agency, all that. So they don't want to, but I think they might have to. Yeah, dude, it is just wild. And I think that if you pause it for two weeks, if you pause it for a month, like in my opinion, like what is that going to change? And like you bring up the fact that there's like a new presidency and taking it more serious. Like, and I think that's all great. I think that's all great for sports and like for society in general. But at the same time, like I look around, I look at some of the response to this man getting into, like you're going to have just still a problem on your hands just because of the way our country has been handling this whole thing. And, And you're just seeing it in sports too. And I don't want sports to shut down, but like if they shut down and they come back in a couple weeks, is my point is what's going to change for the NBA? Like you're still going to have guys popping up. You're still going to have contract tracing bullshit. So like it's just what it is. That's the way they're doing it, dude. They're playing way more games a week, nine games on a slate, multiple games a day. Like it's crazy. Uh, I, I agree with that. You're not – a pause isn't doing anything. If a pause is going to like – significantly do something that would have it just what get some healthier like and get some back like yeah, yeah i get you on that like injuries and get together whatever make new protocols if you have to like maybe this isn't that much of yeah a and then you got george hill out of here saying if it's that serious we shouldn't be playing i'm a man i don't need to be locked up like it's just like i don't know it, it, 
they all have the choice to not play. I know. That's what. Well, that's what I said to. That's what I said to him. But I'm just saying, like, you have people out here saying, like, well, all right, where are we at? And it's like, yeah. everyone's just so divided. And it's just a mess. Um, yep. I did need to shout out. Uh, this for Colin Sexton, though. He was the first Cavs player with 20 points in each of his first six games of the season since LeBron James, 04-05. Sexton is the fourth Cav player to do the, this in franchise history, joining LeBron, Oster Carr, and Bingo Smith. We obviously saw his game last night. You owe me a little bit of clout for picking him as a guy that's going off. Um, out here looking like uh, Akeem from coming to an America. Uh, just incredible. And wanted to touch on this. Got to give you a shout out on this because the rookie stat leaders right now, if you go and check them out, uh, LaMelo Ball, pretty much everything besides blocks. Like this dude is by far the rookie of the year right now and his to lose going forward, in my opinion. So needed to give you a where, uh, where Rich was right, uh, was on that. That's a real tongue twister for me. And I will, I will say my other where Rich was right. I don't know if it was on here, so I don't know if it, it could count, but like, as a Knicks fan, I'm by no means hating on Obi Toppin. He's barely played. He's looked fine while he's been out there. But Tyrese Halliburton is real. That dude is good. He, he's probably second for me in the Rookie of the Year voting right now. He's been absolutely crushing it. He's really good. Yeah, for sure. He has been doing well. But I would say you still got to wait and see on Obi. He's not been out there. And I think oh, the Knicks, sure. have, done, not, Knicks not, have done way better the than the you Knicks can. Have always, Knicks have always needed a point guard, and Tyrese Halliburton has definitely looked like the second best one to LaMelo in the draft. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, couple other things I wanted to get you with for sure before you go. Uh, I'm just going to do some rapid fire stuff. No bell for this. Yep. Um, you see the, uh, Atlanta dream. They're up for sale. They're finally going to be sold. Thank God. Do you see that story? I, that. No. I, f- I feel like I told you about this. The whole thing that went on with like Kelly Leffler was her name who owns the team and she lost the, uh, run in in Georgia but, like, their team was pretty much protesting her because she was, like, a uh, Trump supporter. And it was, like, this whole bullshit. And, like, a, there was, like, a bunch of people stepping in for this. But, basically, I'm thinking to myself, how is this lady ever going to come back to a team that literally, like, hates their yeah. fucking guts? Like, she devoted 100% of her time to, you know, going and doing this other shit. Didn't even really give a crap about the team. So, like, I don't know. It turned into this whole thing. The The team's up for sale. It's just, like... I don't know. It's just good things that I think you're seeing. Like you mentioned it a little bit. Like we're seeing some of the the bad getting bled out of this. You know, not only in sports but just in politics. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I just looked it up while you were talking. I do remember hearing about that like a while back, probably like this summer. Not not that they were selling the team, just like some of the stuff about her. But I I did not know they were selling or looking to sell now. I hope LeBron gets it. Um, I haven't been watching much college basketball. I told you a little bit about it yesterday. I'll be trying to just crank up on it a little bit, see if they're doing uh, yeah. SEC and stuff. But basically for me, it's there's a couple guys in the G League too to look out for, like Cade Cunningham for the uh, OSU Cowboys, and there's Evan Mobley and Jalen Green. Those are the guys that are probably going to be high picks coming out in 2021. There's a couple high school top prospects, Chet Holmgren, Amoni Bates, Jaden Hardy, the uh the dude Holmgren and Amoni Bates. Amoni Bates had 36 and 10 and Holmgren had 31 12 and 6 blocks in a game they played against each other. Um these dudes are in high school so just wanted to give you the NBA guy a little shout out of some young yeah. guys not only in high school but in college to to keep an eye out for that are probably going to be in the Amoni NBA at some point. For a long time been hearing about his name. I'm actually shocked he's not in college yet. I feel like I've been hearing his name forever. Yeah, I think he's a senior right now. Um 
But yeah, I think Cade Cunningham, dude, honestly, so if I'm talking Knicks getting a point guard, like you're looking at one of those three guys I just mentioned, hopefully, I, I know they're going to go probably stupid early, but like if the Timberwolves get the number one overall pick again, like they're not taking a point guard, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like what the hell is going on with that? Like, it's just like, Anthony Edwards even technically is, I guess they kind of have him playing like the wing because they have D'Lo, Beasley and uh, Rubio playing more of the point there. So like, I would hope not, but like, I the Timberwolves would be so dumb. Well, like, first off, we have a while until the draft, but as of right now, from everything I've seen, like, Cade Cunningham is Cade Cunningham is the Cunningham, yeah. number one pick. Like, runaway number one pick. Yeah, he's nasty. And they already made the mistake. I, Lon, LaMelo wasn't the number one, like, oh, everyone knows it this year, but, like, I don't know. I heard a lot of people saying they thought he was the best. I thought he was the best, especially after hearing what how dedicated Anthony Edwards was to basketball. And, like, they drafted more for fit. Like, don't – that's a mistake NBA teams make all the time. You don't draft for fit on your team unless you're, like, the Golden State Warriors this year who you're like, yo, we're still in, like, like a title hunt in the next few few years. Like, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt drafting for fit and drafting Wiseman. But, like, when you're an awful franchise that's been awful for 10, 15, 20 years, like, you know, the Knicks have had some decent years with Melo, but, like, the Knicks, the Timberwolves, like, the Cavs outside of LeBron, like, don't draft for fit. Don't be like, oh, we really need a power forward. Who's the best one? Like, just draft the best player. Get the best player on your team. So, like, I say that to say, like, if they pass on Kate Cunningham, like, right now he's the clear number one, that would be such a dumb move, especially after just passing on LaMelo, too. Yeah, I agree. Um, did you see uh, Devontae Adams as Aaron Rodgers has his GOAT? I mean, said I, can't, it, I can't hate on that. Said it just after you were shitting on me yesterday, and no, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is my GOAT, but I think I am saying on the whole GOAT thing, like I've said in the NBA, like I've said in the NFL, let's just wait and see how it plays out, with, and we'll be able to comment on it. I do think you have a good point, though, if we're talking right now, let's say it right now, who is the GOAT? Um, there's an argument that could be made for Tom Brady, but I just don't make that argument. Yeah, I just absolutely. I think most people would make that argument. Yeah, they can, but I just would not. I just wanted to confirm that and just make sure you saw that as well. I mean, I can't blame Devante for saying that. I would say that. Did too, you see that? I, did you see that Gronk in the? Kill, I'd say Mahomes was. Yeah, Mahomes was for sure. Did you see that? Uh, uh, Gronk said that he was happy he's going to the AFC Championship game in the locker room celebration. That's a fucking joke. He's happy that he's going to the AFC Championship game. That's what he said. Like being dumb, forgetting what conference he was in. Like I don't. I hope he. I really hope he was. I really hope he was joking. But like that's what he's quoted for saying. Like, and then his teammate came up and said, "Yo, we're not in the AFC. It's the NFC." And I just picture Gronk going like, "Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah NFC." I don't know how to react. Like I don't know if that's a joke or him being dumb. But all right. It's. That's just kind of, yeah, I just need to make sure you heard that. Um, oh, yeah, so I did a couple of uh, other NFL solos, and I'll get your take on it real quick before I let you go. Uh, you got Phillip Rivers as a Hall of Famer? So I'll start this off by saying, like, I don't know the NBA Hall of Fame as well as I know the NFL Hall of I don't know the NFL Hall of Fame as well as I know the NBA Hall of Fame in terms of, like, everyone who's gotten in. On the surface, to me, I always believe that, like, the Hall of Fame should not just be meant for, like, people who are just, like, above average, which is what I would probably describe Philip Rivers as, or, like, slightly above average. Like, he's not, like, 
I don't know, in that GOAT conversation. But I know in all Hall of Fames, guys end up getting in that are just absolute head-scratchers. It's it's the longevity thing. They put up so many numbers that it's like, oh, look at all those passing yards. Look at all those touchdowns. Like, he was good. He was good in his seasons. But he was never, like, or most years wasn't, like, that top three guy. So, like, that's usually not the guy I put in the Hall of Fame. But I'm sure he'll get in just, like, with how, how Hall of Fames work. And it's tough to hate on it. But I don't know. I always feel like they should be a little bit more selective than just – letting everyone in who put up a bunch of counting stats yeah interesting i mean he's top five I, all I time hard take either way though i don't know i hear you i know i think that's that's literally valid because i think it, on the opposite end of that it's he's got a 131 101 career five and seven in the playoffs never at, he doesn't have a super bowl appearance or rings but ha, f- top five in passing yards and touchdowns played a 257 straight games was just second all time to only brett Favre. Played with a torn ACL, you know okay. all these all these incredible things that he's done throughout his career. Five yeah. and seven in the play, like so. There's there's two sides to it. That's why I think it's an interesting one because he's not a straight lock. Like that's that's where I think it's interesting where there's no straight lock. Like when I look at Eli, people think Eli is not a straight lock, but they'll say Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. That's where I have a problem. That's where I have a yeah. fucking problem because t- Philip oh. Rivers has no Super Bowls, and I know it's not all about Super Bowls, but. The stats that Eli has put up as a resume is just as good, if not better, than in Philip Rivers. But Philip Rivers not. has one as well, just no rings. So it's not about all rings, but is it about how many rings? It's this whole thing where it's very interesting in the NFL for me. It's it's I a good mean, debate. It's com- comparing like apples to tomatoes here, but like I'm thinking of it from like the NBA sense. If someone tried to tell me Melo wasn't a Hall of Famer because he didn't have like a ring or a Finals appearance, like yeah, that's crazy. Hundred reasons why he is. But the reason that's different is it's the Basketball Hall of Fame, not the NFL Hall of Fame. So for Melo, he gets factored in all the gold medals, all the Olympic records, winning at Syracuse and a bunch of other things. True. So it is it is a little bit different. But like when you put it like that, I agree. I don't I don't think saying someone didn't make a finals should be or like a Super Bowl or a finals should be like out of consideration. Yeah. But I will say, as the quarterback of a football team that played for like 19 years, you do have a little bit more control than just like a basketball player for sure but it's, it's tough there's another side of the ball so for like, sure i still think he should get in i guess i think he should get in for sure it's an interesting debate for sure um i then i did philip rivers then i did ranking uh, i did a little bit of deshaun watson i did ranking the quarterbacks uh left in the playoffs what do you what do you got on that um ranking them just like yeah I think they're going to perform at the games this week. Yeah, just, yeah, that. Ranking them, if you, yeah, all, you have all four of them, like, right? There's four yeah. left, just rank them. Um, Mahomes, number one, obviously, assuming he's playing. Um, I, Actually, I mean, I'm saying that like it's a given, but, like, Aaron Rodgers had the MVP year, but I still think I'd probably take Mahomes number one. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, it's tough because there's three great ones. I mean, yeah, no matter how you cut it, Brady's number four. And four, like, I know that's what you want to hear. He is Brady's number four out of these guys. Like, no matter how you cut it, um, probably Mahomes one, Rogers two, Allen three. Just off what they've proven, like Josh Allen hasn't. Yeah, he's won the games this year, but hasn't proven it thus far. Like, that's a tough knock, but like they're all so great that I guess I'll use that as the deciding factor. Don't use, don't tell Skip and uh, Marcellus Wiley that Brady's four because they're gonna tell you he's one. Uh, Hopefully we can get. See, but they're doing the longevity thing. Like, yeah, if I'm ranking the quarterbacks all time, like, sure, Brady one, <laughs> Rodgers two, Mahomes three, Allen four. But that makes no sense to what we're doing in this scenario for the games this week. Yeah, <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. Um, yeah, hopefully you can make it by. Hopefully, uh, what's his face? Chu makes it by. We could do like a little bit of a 
prediction and whatever for the games. Uh, other than that, I'm just scrolling through to see if I have anything else to get in with you. Oh, I saw a couple funny things. Uh, James Harden in his first Nets interview, Rich, it was, quote, I'm a I'm an elite player, I'm an elite teammate, and I'm an elite leader. When he wants to be. <laughs> yeah, love that. Uh, I mean, I mean, how about I'm this? Sure he will be close to that with the Nets. He was not that within the last two months on the Rockets. Yo, how about this, Rich? Zach Levine is the first Bulls player with four consecutive 30-point games while shooting 50% or better from the floor since MJ had a five-game streak in November 96. According to Elias Sports, Levine is the third player in Bulls history with 150 150 points over a four-game span, joining MJ Bob Love. The Bulls are 0-4 in those four games. Uh, It's kind of tough for Levine, but you got to give him a shout-out, right? He's balling. Yeah, him and the problems their backcourt is, like, terrible, like, actually awful on defense. Like, they're like Kobe White been playing pretty well. He is one of your top improved guys. He's been playing well on offense. Jack Levine's been having an incredible year, but, like, they're just an awful defensive backcourt. They're getting posted. They blew leads to the Thunder, the Blazers, maybe the Kings. Like, they've just blown so many leads in the fourth quarter that they, they – need to make a trade i mean i would i like zach levine but like the timeline of where their team is and where he is like if you could get a team to give you a bunch of picks for him and some stuff for him i would do it and it's not a knock on him just like the bulls or you could do it for colby white i guess but he's the younger asset that i'd assume they try to keep they need to make a trade or something there true last two last two real quick uh, I need to find it, though, because I need to find exactly what Charles Barkley said. I hope you saw this. Here it is. Charles Barkley thinks NBA and NFL players should receive the COVID vaccine early because they pay way more taxes than the average citizen. Thoughts? I think there's an argument to make, but I think that's a bad argument to make for why they should get it first. Fucking like, Charles Barkley. Like, why would you even say Charles, that? I mean, that's like <laughs> such a – if you had actually read that it's to classic me, Charles Barkley. I hadn't heard that before you said it. If you had just read that to me, I probably could have told you that was Charles Barkley. Literally. So stupid. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being, like, Democrat or Republican, but he usually takes a pretty hard, like, Republican stance and, like, super concerned on, like, how much taxes everyone's paying. Where He brings up taxes an absurd amount when analyzing the NBA, more than anyone needs to. Well, like, so I could have guessed that was him that said that. <laughs> I think that there's an argument to make that they should get it before, like – you know, obviously healthcare workers deserve it first, but like before your average people, there's a definitely an argument to make. Like they pay a lot of people's salaries, like the GMs pay their salaries, but they're paying like people that work at the arenas, like whatever, just a bunch of people involved in basketball, media, writers, all that. So like, yeah, the NBA is just a good thing. And NFL and, <clears throat> and any like major pro sports league is just a good thing to have going for the yeah, society. As no, well. I agree. Like whether you, whether you watch it or not, it helps people out. But like, I agree being that they pay more taxes is like, that not a good reason. That, then by that logic, you should just say, like, the rich people get it first and we'll give it out by who's wealthiest. So, so that's dumb. basically what you're saying. That yeah, that's no yeah, that's just dumb. Uh, just, I just need to throw that in there quick. And then that I'm getting really dumb, yeah. And I'm getting you out of here on this. Uh, I saw Shaq there with the uh, obviously the countdown crew. He said this via all the things covered podcast. Uh, I'm not gonna hate. He said, quote, I'm not gonna hate, but this should he be an hates. This should be an inspiration to all the little kids out there. You can average 11 points in the NBA and you can get 200 million. Shaq on Rudy Gobert's $205 million contract. I did want to say, though, when I go and I look at the highest played players in the NBA, it's, where is it at? It's Giannis, who got his Supermax, who I believe is way overpaid. He's 
can't even shoot. And and in the games in crunch time, he's not getting the ball and not doing anything. So I don't understand that. Like I get you got to pay him because he's your franchise, but like to me, he's way overpaid. And then Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is right below Russell Westbrook, which, by the way, I will say Russell Westbrook is way overpaid right now. Like, dude can't even perform, and he's not even on the court. Like, let's just see what's good. He's overpaid. And then right behind him is Rudy Gobert, 205. The dude, he's incredible on defense, gets a ton of rebounds, defensive anchor. But, bro, he's pretty much going to average 10 points a game. Like, let's just be real. Like, that's probably what he's averaging, right? Like, so it does – I mean, Shaq is right in a sense, but, like, is it – not show that these guys are overpaid. I mean, right behind Steph Curry, 201. Like, okay, probably not overpaid. Like, Anthony Davis and Klay Thompson at 190. Like, all right, we know athletes make a ton of money. Probably not overpaid. But, like, 228 for Giannis, 205 for Gobert. Like, I can make arguments. Like, that's overpaying for that player. I would argue that if you let Giannis walk, everyone in the organization is losing your job and you made the dumbest decision ever. So, like, the only argument you could make to not overpaying him is letting him walk, which For is sure. literally the stupidest thing you could do. So like, I agree. Overpaying him is the only option. That's I just, get it. The argument there is really just like the salary cap should be set up differently, like which is like okay, fine, like because we've gone over this, like because yeah, you, LeBron's underpaid when you consider that Giannis is making more money than him. Yeah. LeBron should be making five hundred million dollars a year compared to like what some of these guys are making. Right. But, like, the, that, then we'd just be like sitting in like it would just be like soccer or baseball and like we've talked about it like there's whole other problems with like baseball and how they run contracts then you could just give guys whatever and just pay whatever so there's 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 a I don't know bad end to it either way I will say for Rudy Gobert he's I see the case for him a little bit more being overpaid because you didn't necessarily have to keep him but I'd make the argument like I had the Jazz high up there my rankings they are high up there right now they're playing really well you take Rudy Gobert off that team like. It's not 10 points that's missing. It's the other team getting, like, 30 more points a game and getting every rebound. Like, he's maybe the best defensive player in the league over the last, I don't know, six years. Like, him and Draymond Green and Kawhi Leonard are, like, he's, like, the best, like, defensive big, like, paint for paint protector, rim protector. So, like, I, there's an argument for him being overpaid, but I think for a smaller market team like the Jazz, like, with how much value he provides to them and how competitive he makes their team, I think you could argue he's they kind of had to do it like Giannis did, like the Bucks did with Giannis. Not to the same extent, but like they would just have fallen off so bad without him. Agreed. Uh, food for thought for next time we meet up. Uh, over the last five seasons, 78 players have attempted at least 2,000 jumpers. John Wall ranks 77th in effective field goal percentage among that group. Russ ranks 78th. Uh, both of them are playing right now. Both teams kind of in shambles right now. We covered who's going to win that trade at the top. I think it'll be interesting to cover that come like five, six months, a year from now. Like it, this is going to be, think, this is going to be a debacle potentially, man. I think it'll be my answer the whole time. It'll be as simple as the Rockets because they got to pick with it too and neither player ends up mattering for each team. Yeah, much. I agree. <laughs> but I agree. But they win it by much. And like the, the Wizards have just been disappointing, man. They should have been better. Russ hasn't even been playing and like, I don't know, their defense is awful too. They're going to, I don't know. They're going to have to blow it up. Bradley Beal's been like maybe the most blindly loyal dude in the league. Yeah, I agree. Like, Lillard's been loyal, but at least they've been competitive. The Wizards have had like one good year in 2017, I feel like, when the Isaiah Thomas Celtics took him out and like not some competitive years, but nothing nothing more than like a first-round bounce or missing the playoffs and stuff. Yeah, I agree. All right, brother. I'll catch up with you later. Sounds good. Talk to you later, bro. Peace. Much love. Peace. Rich, my dude.
covered it all today. Had it all organized out here. Rich stopped by. Tried to get Chu to come through, but wasn't his day. Hopefully soon. Hope Dukes is doing well. Raj commented on my post. Hope you're doing well. Saw you're back out in the West Coast. Boosh on the podcast. Barry came on last week. Things have been fire. I do want to mention. I don't know if anyone makes it to this point of the pod. I hope they do. If you want to come on the pod, just reach out. People have been asking me. I want anyone and everyone to come on. That'd be dope. All I got to do is link it up. I'll work around your schedule. can send you a link. Chat a little. Talk what you want to talk about. Talk whatever. I can script something up. All good. I love doing it. Passion for me. Passion about the golf business. Passion about talking sports. Podcasting. Sports talk. You know, you watch all this stuff that happens in sports and trying to have a take on it and then trying to re- recreate it into what's going on in reality in terms of, like, real-life shit where most of the time it's either good, bad, in the middle, right? Like, I'll go back to what I said yesterday. I saw that, like, and I always say that it's sports is an escape, but I've gotten to a point where it's not. Like, I've seen, like, people follow politics as much as i follow sports like that can't be healthy that can't be healthy (laughs) like people have their own things that make them happy passionate following dreams whatever you want to call it and i think you know not everyone's going to support it not everyone's going to be on the same wavelength as you but if you're doing what you want to do, if you're getting yourself to the point where you feel like you're happy and you're doing it the way you want to do it, there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than that. And for me, there's nothing better than talking sports with whoever. Come on, let me know. Reach out to my buddies, friends that have and do. Much love. Hopefully I make it on to get a couple of predictions before the championship games this weekend in the NFL. Till then, I'll be watching NBA, trying to keep up with the rest of the sports world. I'll be back soon. That's all I had for the airwaves today. Appreciate all listening, as always. And as always, I still have no shame what I had to say. It's a man with a nickname. Till next time, everybody. Peace and love. Stay safe out there. Listen to Seggy Station.